What's up, people? This is Adam Maxwell, and you're listening to the Guns, Oil, and Dirt podcast. Now get ready. It's showtime. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Guns, Oil, and Dirt podcast with Evan. Today I got a special guest, Kyle, my brother-in-law. So, Kyle? Yes. Who's Kyle? That's me. I am Kyle. I am currently a backpacking guide and an advanced EMT out in Asheville, North Carolina. In the Smokies area? In the Great Smoky Mountains area and Pisgah National Forest out in that area. Mm-hmm. All right. So what do you what do you really do at your job when you say you're a you're a wilderness guide? So what I really do is I take people backpacking and camping, people, you know, from inexperienced to experienced, people who just want to get outside and pretty much go on vacation and be outdoors. I'm the guide for that. So what I do is I'm essentially in charge of all the logistical purposes for taking them to like a really nice waterfall or camping a couple days and making sure we take care of all the food, the the tents, um, and making sure no one gets hurt and stuff like that. So do you have like those spots like like memorized in your head for some of the waterfalls and cool scenery or do you have to look them up sometimes? Uh, most of what our guests pick are itinerary based. So we have set itineraries on the website um, and they pick out that itinerary and go on that specific trip. We have about maybe... I'd say like 12 different trips that we offer in the North Carolina area, um, varying from the Smoky Mountain National Park to Pisgah National Forest. And those are set itineraries. So they pick based off that and they sign up and get assigned to that trip. And then they go on that set itinerary trip. And you guys have like experience level ones, like low, medium, hard, like freaking if you only have like one leg, don't do this one kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean... They, they range um, definitely from easy to hard. You know, your easy ones are going to be your, your three-day options and your harder ones are going to be your four-day backpacking and and uh, your five-day backpacking. Um, we also offer a portered-style version trip, which is, um, say you don't want to carry a, a heavy backpack, but you still want to go out there and do that backpacking experience. The portered option is um, we will have extra guides come in and set up a base camp. So you don't have to carry your tent, your sleeping bag, your sleeping pad. You just have to essentially carry your clothes and a little bit of snacks and food while these other guides go in and set up that base camp for you. So that's an option that we offer as well. Um, A lot of our first-timers or people who don't want to carry heavy stuff will tend to choose that option. Oh, that's cool. How, uh, how, what's the distance on your average trip? You say you guys cover like in a day, like 10, 15 miles. Um, it depends. It varies per trip. Um, I'd say on average, most of our day hikes and, um, trips each day, probably average anywhere from, I would say six to 11 miles per day. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's not too bad. That actually sounds fairly easy considering like when I um when I train for whatever whatever like the fire department stuff, I average about 6 miles a day just for a training hike. So, it doesn't sound terrible. No, it's not too bad. 
But you guys stop and like fucking look at stuff and. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that I do get some people who do want to just go ahead and just kind of just take off and get to that lookout, get to that destination. Then I have people who just want to leisurely take their time, look at trees, look at birds, um, enjoy the nature, enjoy the nature. Yeah. More in it for like a slower hike, and then I get some people that are really fast. You know, it varies based on people on in the group. So, oh, that's cool. So, um, you got a lot of experience with like equipment then considering you're spending a lot of time in the outdoors, you spend a lot of time hiking, you got a lot of experience with like cool gear. Uh, I mean, I have a lot of experience with the outdoor gear being like, you know, the backpacks, the tents, um, the stoves, cooking, stuff like that. Um, are you talking about like anything specific or? Well, I was going to ask you specifically what, what kind of gear do you think? Let's say you're talking to some people who've never done one of these kind of hikes, okay? Mm-hmm. And they're thinking about going on a nice tent hike or something. Like, you know, camping, hike, first-timers. What is, like, essential equipment? Uh, that would be, like, the you know, the list of the 10 essentials that we currently are out there. Um, you know, you got to have, you know, your backpack, your, your map, your compass, um... I'm just saying this for like a day hike stuff. Your map, your compass, your snacks. Uh, definitely carry your water. I carry at least two liters of water with me on any hike that I do. Um, you know, you want to have a flashlight, maybe a couple fire starters, lighters, just in case um, some things were to go wrong. Like when I work out in the mountains, being mountain weather, um, I always carry lighters on me because you never know how the weather can turn in the mountains. Um, it can get really cold and it can, you can get a nice big thunderstorm really quick. So that's always a thing that I carry. Um, rain gear is always nice to carry as well. Um, those are just some essentials that I carry while I day hike. Okay. Um, do you have any recommendations for things that maybe like specialty gear that wouldn't be on a list that you find comes in handy? Um, something that I find comes in handy, um, is, is foam, just pieces of foam, honestly. Like styrofoam? Like, uh, yeah, just like, you know, like foam pads that people sleep on in the woods. Oh yeah. Like some people sleep on foam. Some people sleep on the air blow up ones. I feel like uh, a piece of foam actually goes a long way, uh, in the woods, especially when you're getting in the spring and fall time. Um, I, we take, um, that foam that people sleep on, you know, like a, like a foam pad and we'll cut that up and we'll actually make, um, like foam sit pads to sit on and we'll sit on that and that'll keep us warm from, you know, when it's cold out, um, for, or or getting a wet butt, getting a wet butt, getting a muddy butt. People don't want to sit in the dirt and stuff like that. That's, that's one of the things that we use. Okay. That's actually, that's actually good insight. I never thought about that. I use a bedroll when I mm-hmm. camp. Uh, and it's really weird because I make, uh, my camping setup is really funky cause I make an A-frame tent out of an old survival pouch usually mm-hmm. or poncho. And my bedroll has a, it is a, <laughs> what do you call it? Wool blanket. Rolled up inside of a moving blanket, rolled up inside of a tarp. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
the tarp goes down and that's your moisture barrier from the ground. I lay on the moving blanket instead of having like a bedroll. And then I put the uh, wool blanket over me because I'm like, fuck, screw it. It's really light and I could just wrap it. It gets really small, mm-hmm. probably about the size of a two liter bottle. Mm-hmm. And I can just stuff it in the top of my backpack and then my little A-frame poncho tent and like 15 feet of paracord is like mm-hmm. super easy to carry. So I'm like, ah, this works, like out in the woods. Mm-hmm. And if it gets really rainy and really bad, I care. My tarp is like a ten by twelve, and I can actually just wrap myself up in it like a burrito, mm-hmm. and just be like, yeah, this will keep me warm at least for the night. And I'm like, it's enough because I'm already packing like fifty pounds of gear in my bag because I have to have like four guns and some ammo and shit like that when i go everywhere I'm like ah, i don't everybody's i pack dude i pack super light until it gets to that stuff yeah and that and then like i have an extensive medical kit so um so you do like wilderness rescue and you are an advanced emt mm-hmm. all right and you were also what eagle scout mm-hmm. all right so you have a lot of experience in a lot of different settings as far as not just keeping yourself from dying, but other people. Right. Mm -hmm. So like you do a lot of that stuff. So here's another question like that. If you could kind of come up with like a, maybe a perfect like first aid kit that you think people should have, what do you think is like necessary? For, like, the outdoors or... Yeah, for, for let's say you're going to go, you know, camping for a weekend. Mm-hmm. And th- considering, like, things like you could get a strain, you could get a sprain, mm-hmm. blisters are real. You know, like, what are the things that you think people should think about carrying maybe in their backpacking first aid kit? Yeah, um, my backpacking first aid kit is uh, pretty extensive. Um, you know, we carry... Um, not only things for medical, but things for trauma as well. Our medical stuff, you know, we carry our aspirin, you know, your ibuprofen, your acetaminophens, um, uh, extra electrolytes um, in that as well. Um, For our trauma side, we tend to carry gauze, um, bandages, uh, tape, uh, trauma shears. Um, you know, you always want to have that mole skin. I carry a little bit extra um, stuff and being triangle bandages come in real handy out there in the woods. Um, if someone were to take a fall and hurt hurt their uh, shoulder or uh, upper extremities, upper extremities, stuff yeah. like that. Um, those triangle bandages come in handy. And then I also carry a couple of Sam splints with me um, just in case, you know, if someone uh, were to get hurt and you know, say, say, uh, hurt their ankle pretty bad. I can splint their ankle up using a Sam splint or, you know, use it on their wrist if that hurts as well. So is the Sam splint the aluminum one? It's, gosh, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Um, it's, it's like a, like a plank and it's very foldy, very bendy, like, um, and it rolls up. Yeah. It's, I think think it's, it's, I think it's aluminum. I think it is coated aluminum. You kind of like you could, you can flex it and mold it. To yeah, it. You yeah, yeah. Flex. Yeah, that's kind of what mm-hmm. I was thinking in my head. I'm pretty sure they're like, it's. 
I'm I know they're not lead inside, but it's really malleable like yes. lead would be. Yes. I think they are aluminum. So yeah, all right. I was thinking the right thing with the Sam. Yeah, splints. we carry those on the truck. Okay. So yeah. Well, that's good to know. Good things to know. What about what about footwear? Footwear? Yeah. I mean, it it really varies based on your terrain that you're gonna encounter on a hike. I would okay. say. Um, you know, if you, if you're doing, and it depends on the person, um, you know, I've had marathon runners show up in just normal, normal marathon running shoes and do this hikes and they're fine. Um, you know, for me, I have bad ankles, um, since I'm always out on the trails. So I always wear a high top boot on making sure my ankles have that extra support to that. Um, I would say, you know, if you're going to do more Rocky and you're going to change elevation, I'd recommend going with a, a high top support to support that ankle as where if you're going a little flatter, not as Rocky, not as hilly, you know, maybe you don't need that, that extra ankle support. Hmm. Um, but I would say, you know, it varies based on, based on how experienced you are, um, while being outdoors. And then what is your terrain going to look like? Cool. That's kind of interesting, actually. So what made you um, want to say, like, choose this line of work? How did you get into being a wilderness guide? Um, I think just for me, growing up in the Boy Scouts, um, I really enjoyed that. Going out and camping every month, um, doing all these different merit badges, learning all these different things. I figured the outdoors was a job that I really wanted to find myself in. I didn't really want to be stuck in an office. Um, so I went to college and the first two years of college, I just took all my gen because I was still undecided. And they're like, well, you got to pick something. So I picked out environmental science and geography earth science and gis um which is all outdoor stuff um and while i was in college um my summer of my junior year i had a fraternity brother that was saying to all of his brothers that hey i'm up in new hampshire and we have open positions right now for backpacking guides if anyone's interested message me and we'll talk about it. And I was like, Hey, what's up? What is this? What's a backpacking guy? And that's when he told me like, Hey, well, well, backpacking guide, essentially, you know, we we're in charge of people. We take people on trips, we take them camping and we do all this and that. And I was like, Oh, that sounds really cool. I'm really interested in that. So that summer I started my guiding career up in the white mountains in New Hampshire. So that's where I first started out. Um, and that's really where I started to become a backpacking guide. Yeah, I actually almost forgot that you did spend like a summer up in New Hampshire because you've been all over the country now. You were in New Hampshire, which is northeast, mm -hmm. where it gets brutally cold in the winter. Mm -hmm. You worked here in Wisconsin for a while, mm -hmm. and you were in was that like Northern California or I was out in Yosemite National Park in California for a little bit. Yeah, you were in Yosemite. Yosemite. Then I then I was out in Oregon for a bit. Um, and now I'm in North Carolina, North Carolina. Yeah. So you've had all sorts of terrain and weather kind of things to deal with. Mm -hmm. What's uh, what do you think is the worst 
type of weather to deal with i mean is it like the snow or is it like the word you were in like oregon maybe like wet cold so so the worst weather to deal with um and you can ask anyone who works outside and they'll tell you it's 40 degrees and rainy 40 degrees and rainy 40 degrees and rainy because everything gets wet and cold and cold as where snow snow you can brush off you know you're not getting soaked you're not getting you know drenched yeah um, so I'd rather have snow than 40 degrees and rainy, 40 degrees and rainy is it's a nightmare for hypothermia weather. So, yeah, I've been, I've been outside sleeping in 40 degrees and rainy and it has been just absolutely terrible. That's the worst. It's yeah. the worst. I remember it's scary. <laughs> yeah. I remember I didn't have a place to stay and I was trying to find a place to sleep and I had nowhere I could go. When I was like much younger and I remember hiding underneath like the overhang behind a garage <laughs> and trying to get some sleep without uh, getting hypothermia and dying in the night, which was kind of a crappy situation. But I kind of picked it for myself because I didn't want to go home to my parents' house. I was, uh, <laughs> I was a stupid kid. I actually had gotten... I forgot what it was. I got suspended from school for something. I didn't want to tell my parents, so I, I stayed out for a couple days. Like, sleeping at friends' <laughs> houses or on the street just to stay uh, out of trouble. So, all right. So, your job sounds like a lot of fun. Like, really enjoyable kind of work. Um, so, what do you do when you're not at work to kind of kick back? Yeah, so... I'm either, you know, in the woods working, doing the backpacking job, or I'm working as an advanced EMT um, for Buncombe Rescue on a truck, um, doing convalescent calls, essentially. Um, so I do those two positions. When I'm not working, um, those two jobs take a lot out of me because you have to be very social. You, you run into a lot of people, you know, you have to be social with your group every day, or, you know, you're being social with the clients that come on your ambulance here and there um so that takes a lot of energy out of me so when i don't work i just kind of stay at home um close the doors and play some video games watch some youtube some netflix um kind of have that self me time to regenerate um just don't really feel like being social um there are other times you know well i'll go out and i'll go take a hike um, by myself, I'll do that. Um, I like to go play poker at the casino, so I'll go do that as well. Uh, drive around on the Blue Ridge Parkway is another one of them. Um, never get never gets old. The parkways in, in the backyard of Asheville, North Carolina. So that's really love to do that. So those are just you know kind of some of the things I do. Blue Ridge Parkway is that is that a paved road? It is a paved road. Um, it is actually a national park. Um, okay. The national park stretches 30 feet off the road, and that is your national park. Um, it is 469 miles long, stretching from Great Smoky Mountain National Park in North Carolina all the way to Shenandoah National Park in Virginia. All right. Yeah, that's pretty far. And that's you do that for, like, the scenic views? Is it pretty sweet? Oh, yeah. If you want to get scenic views anywhere of the Blue Ridge Mountains, you're going to go on the Blue Ridge Parkway. That's where you're going to get your best views of the Blue Ridge Mountains. All right. That's pretty cool. Is it? Is it a pretty curvy road? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Very uh, curvy road. 
just just planning out my next vacation maybe gotta <laughs> find somewhere to go that i could just kind of chill and check out the world all right so i mean if that's what you do for fun uh, not really good with some of these questions because i'm like but so i'm your brother-in-law okay yes yes you are yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm married to your brother. I mean, sister. No, wait, whoa. <laughs> this no. is news to me. Yeah. No, I'm married to your, your older sister. Uh, you're the youngest. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, you're the youngest of everybody. I'm the youngest in my family, too. Um. So what's it like having me for a brother-in-law? <laughs> um. What's it like having you for a brother-in-law? Well, you're the only brother I currently talk to, so <laughs> so there's that um, going for you, because I, I don't really associate with my other brothers. Um, but... Sorry, I don't talk to my brothers either. <laughs> you got a, a couple of them, too. No, it's, it's nice having you as a brother-in-law. Um, I really like coming up here, you know, and hanging out with, with Megan and you. Uh, a lot and i really like how i can come to you with any question about pretty much anything about my jeep or you know anything that i have a question about you you're pretty quick to the answer and you pretty pretty much have a good answer for it so i appreciate that cool yeah speaking of which you got a jeep you're a jeep person Uh uh-huh i would say that this isn't your first jeep no it's yeah. not my first Jeep. I and miss it, my first Jeep. I, I miss your first We should have just kept it. Even though it got wrecked, we should have just rebuilt it. Uh, I I I should have took your mom up on that offer. Your mom offered to buy it out from the insurance and then me pay her back incrementally. Mm-hmm. And Megan was like, ah, I don't think we need another Jeep laying around the yard. Um, because I have two out there. But we probably should have. We should have bought that We back. probably should have just bought mm-hmm. that back. Because that was a good one. That was. And it wouldn't have been hard to fix. I could have just cut that frame rail out of that thing and just welded in a new one. But it was, I was poor, and I didn't think I'd be able to pay your mom back, and I didn't want to owe her money. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, speaking of that, uh, you ended up getting into an accident in your old Jeep on your way home. You drove through Nebraska. Yeah. You were driving through Nebraska, but you were coming home from Oregon. Oregon. Mm-hmm. You drove through Death Valley. I, on the way out, we drove through Death Valley. Oh, on the way mm-hmm. out, you drove through. What was mm-hmm. Death Valley like? Hot. Super hot. Super hot? Yeah. Uh, I remember this was probably day three of just nonstop driving because we, I had a friend named Molly, and Molly was. Um, going out to California with me because she was also an outdoor guide and we both got outdoor guiding positions out of Yosemite working for the same company. So she flew from Massachusetts into Chicago and we were doing a three-day drive out to California. So we drove the first day and we we're going to split a lot of the driving. Well, the first day, uh, maybe 30 minutes into Molly taking the wheel out in Iowa, she got uh, pulled over. <laughs> um, she got caught doing 90 out there and got a ticket so i was doing the driving the rest of the way (laughs) all the way out to california fair to say (laughs) so this is probably you know road trips that start like that (laughs) 
are always great road trips. <laughs> so we're on day three. Um, and you know, I'm telling you, the days we were driving, we were driving 16, 17 hours a day, you know, just trying to get out there and driving through Death Valley. Um, that was one of the things we both wanted to do because we've never seen Death yeah, Valley. You chose to drive we chose through to do Death it. Valley. Like, there was an actual thought process that you had that you were like, let's try that. Yeah, because, I mean, we would have got, got to Yosemite, you know, sooner, but we was like, yeah, let's, we'll add an extra day in. We'll, we'll do Death Valley, and then we'll stay at a hotel tonight, and we'll, we'll just be there tomorrow. So we chose to throw that in there and throw in an extra day. Um, and, man, that day was hot. Yeah. Um, I think the temperature reading um, at the at the visitor center, they have a, uh, a temperature reader there. And I think the temperature read like 112, 113. Did you do it with the top down? Uh, no, the top was up um, and the Jeep didn't have AC. That's what I was saying. You should do it with the top <laughs> down. Like, I don't know what you're couldn't We couldn't drop the top because we had all of our gear in the back and we didn't want anything to fly out. So, so we couldn't drop the top off that. I mean, I mean, you could, but I would, I'll show you one day how this works. We didn't want to strap anything. Yeah. We, you just tarp, <laughs> tarp it and tie some string over it. You'd be good. But yeah. Dude. We didn't have a tarp. We were out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing right now. All right. Don't ever go anywhere without a tarp. <laughs> I got tarps rolled up under the back seat of my truck. I probably got one rolled up in the back trunk of the car. There's always room for a tarp, and if not a tarp, at least a couple spare garbage bags. Yeah, I'll never, I'll never forget that Death Valley experience because it was, like I said, we didn't have AC for that Jeep, so it was so hot. Super hot. Had the zipper windows down, and we were just trying to go, you know, as fast as we could get that breeze going, but. Now that valley was great. It was beautiful. Um, definitely an experience I would I would easily do again um, with my with with my Jeep I currently have because the Jeep I currently have has AC. Yeah, so you can't. <laughs> I feel like you can't experience Death Valley with with AC. I feel like you need to just just put the top down. And Never let it again. Happen. No. Just put no. the top down and let it happen. Never again. Never again. Yeah, man. Just, Never again. Just roll through there. Make sure you have some water on hand too, because it is jacked up price visitor center water. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I can see that. That's definitely crazy. Um, so I mean that was that was something I wanted to ask you about because I've always wanted to go to Death Valley. They actually do a marathon in Death Valley that I wanted to run. The Death Valley Marathon. Oh yeah. They go from the northern tip to the southern tip of Death Valley. When is that done? Fucking in the middle of the summer. <laughs> They say they said it's the hottest marathon on earth. Okay. Well, that would make sense. Yeah, and I was like I wanted to try that once, but like you got to be like ready for that. And there's nowhere here to train for something like that. <laughs> but when I lived in Arizona, we used to do it we used to run outside all the time when it was 110 degrees. We didn't care. But I always wanted to do that. And like you said you were in Yosemite. Mhm. What's that like? How is it just freaking awesome? I think out of all the places I've been so far, you know, I'll ask my clients this question um, cuz my clients uh love to travel and I'll ask them the question, "What do you think's the most prettiest place you've ever been so far?" And they ask me that question back. 
Um, and my answer to that so far has been when you're driving into Yosemite Valley, you see this big, big wall. And this big wall that I'm talking about, when the sun's rising, it shine, the sun shines right on this big wall. And this big wall I'm talking about is El Capitan. Oh, El Capitan, mm -hmm. yeah. That's the prettiest thing uh, I've seen so far um, out of all the places that I've been. And Yosemite Valley is beautiful. It's gorgeous. You know, you got giant Yosemite Falls. You got El Capitan. You could see Half Dome from there. Um, there's all these great places just in the valley floor alone. Uh, but when you get out into the backcountry Yosemite, um, where, where no one is, mm. oh gosh, it's beautiful. It's so quiet, so peaceful. Yeah, isn't Yosemite like one of the first national parks? Um, Yellowstone's the first one. Okay. Um, I'm not sure where Yosemite ranks on that. Okay. Um, but when, once you get out there, it is, man, it is beautiful. Um, I, I didn't do Half Dome. Um, that's, that's something a lot of people do is Half Dome. Um, and I think it just gets too crowded. There's a there's a mountain that's taller than Half Dome called Clouds Rust. It's a little bit off of Half Dome, um, and it's a different option, and it's a little harder to get to. But Clouds Rust is actually taller than Half Dome. Mm. And once you climb it and you get on top of it, you get 360 degree views of all the Sierra, uh, the Sierras, mm. and you're actually looking down on Half Dome. Okay. which is really cool because you could see all the people on top of half dome and then right around the side of it you could see all everything in the valley as well hmm. so if people are like if you're thinking about doing half dome i recommend doing clouds rest because you get to see above above hmm. looking down on half dome and cool. i think that's cool and you also said it's a harder harder to get to mm -hmm. So there's less people up there. It also. is. There is less people up there. Less traffic is beautiful up there. Yeah, that's cool. Me and your sister just went to uh, Arizona this summer. We drove to Arizona mm -hmm. and we went to, um, you know, the Grand Canyon. But we also went through Monument Valley. We did a few things like that to check things out. And one of my favorite views is actually that picture on the wall right there that I took. Mm -hmm. And that is between Flagstaff and the Grand Canyon area. We got diverted by a fire. There was like four freaking wildfires going all at one time in different spots. Oh, and yeah. we had to close down the freeway. We had to detour. And we actually happened to come across this spot. It had snowed that morning. You can't really tell in that picture, but there's little patches of snow everywhere. Mm -hmm. It like had snowed the night before. And uh, we were just driving down the road, and I pulled over to the side of the road and took that picture looking back at the mountains that we just drove out of. And uh, I just thought it was a super cool picture. But that's, like, my favorite view. And it just happened to be the perfect sky mm -hmm. that day where it's just, like, one or two cloud puffs. And oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah. was it. But, yeah, that was that was one of my favorite ones. And then, of course, like, Monument Valley is freaking beautiful. I'd mm -hmm. like to do more tripping like that even just road tripping but i i really want to start camping more mm -hmm. and i have no freaking idea what i'm doing most of the time and i'm just winging it um like i said in, in a bedroll and a tarp mm -hmm. so i'm like ah, I'll just deal with it because when i lived out in arizona i used to sleep outside a lot i used to camp a lot but i would just sleep in the back of my truck and it's arizona and there's no weather mm -hmm. so you never care like you never care what's the weather like well it's hot What's the weather like at night? It's still hot. 
you're fine. Just mm-hmm. sleep. You just sleep anywhere. As long as you're not on the ground because the snakes and the scorpions and shit. <laughs> but, I mean, and they're really not going to bother you other than they want to keep warm so don't roll over. But I would just sleep in the bed of the truck. And uh, it, was, it was nice. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that here because there's no... It's not that there's none, but there's not a lot of open camping, like natural camping here. Mm-hmm. Like you get campsites and they're all you're parked next to some guy with a fucking camper. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. That's like, not, yeah, that's not that, camping. Yeah. And there's not a lot of open areas where you can free camp like tent camp either. A lot of places are against tent camp. You need to have an RV or mm-hmm. a trailer or something like that. I've been we went tent camp. I took your sister camping one time. This is funny. It was like maybe October. Maybe. Uh, I just remember that during the day, it was probably only 60 degrees, but at night it was like 25. (laughs) And I went camping and it was with my old pickup truck and I had that shell, that camper shell on it. Yeah. And uh, we slept in the back of that and she was like freezing all night long. And I remember waking up because she was shivering and I took my sleeping bag off and I threw it over her on top of her having her own sleeping bag. And I opened up like two extra foot warm or hand warmers mm-hmm. and I threw them down in the bottom of her, her sleeping bag. And I had a hoodie on and a pair of shorts and that was it. Mm-hmm. And I was sweating and I was like, <laughs> I can't handle this. And she is like freezing to death because it was probably like 40 degrees in the back of there just from body heat, mm-hmm. just from bo- mm-hmm. me face, probably just me being hot but i was swe- i woke up sweating and i knew i was in trouble because i was like if i keep sweating i'm gonna freeze and i was like i have to get all of this off mm-hmm. and, like get the blankets mm-hmm, off of me mm-hmm. she can have the blankets but i was like i gotta get all this stuff off of me because i am soaked mm-hmm. with sweat and i even had to crack one of the little vent windows open in the back of the truck because it was starting to build condensation in there but i was she was so mad she's like i'm never camping with you again and i was like yeah was like, you say that but you'll go <laughs> Winter camp, winter camping's fun. It's it's cold, and you gotta you just gotta do it right. You know, you gotta you gotta wear your layers. You gotta stay active. And um, one thing I recommend to combat the cold at night, because I do get cold at night too, um, is yeah. When, but you're not as fat as I am. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> uh, but like, if people do get cold at night, one thing that I do before I go to bed is I I'm always a Nalgene person. So I'll bring these hard bottled Nalgenes. I don't I don't drink out of a bladder. I don't like using bladders. So I bring Nalgenes. Um, and they come in really handy for night. If it's really cold at night, what I'll do is I'll boil a pot of water and then I'll dump that water into my Nalgene and I'll use that Nalgene as a hot um, yeah, a little like heater. A little heater. Yeah. And that'll keep me warm. Okay, you didn't go where I thought you were going to go. I totally thought you were going to say I piss in my water bottle no, and, no. and use it to keep my body no, warm. No, 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 no. Because no, I no. was totally going to say, wow, man. I was like, you're going there, aren't you? I am not. No. Man, that was going to be funny. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That is another thing I heard, though, that you rec- uh, they recommend uh, to stay warm in survival situations is you have to piss before you go to bed. It is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Very true. I tell my clients that too. If you if you get up and if you wake up in the middle of the night, have to use the bathroom, it, even if it's cold outside, go go, go take yeah go because if you don't, you're just gonna stay cold. You're you're gonna get cold because your body's natural reaction 
is to keep your urine warm. That's why when you pee, your urine's already warm. Your body goes to heat that up. So over time, if you're wanting to, you know, hold that piss in, um, your body's going to try to do everything you can to keep that piss warm. Yeah, and it's a waste of energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so don't don't hold it in, just let it go. I totally thought that's where you're going with that hard bottle thing, too. <laughs> I was like, you're going to piss in your fucking bottle. Are you weirdo? <laughs> But yeah, no, I could totally see that working. That that's not a bad idea, actually. Is to boil up some water. Boil up some water. Um, throw it in the hard plastic bottle, and mm-hmm. that that keeps me. That'll stay warm even in the morning. I'll wake up, and that water will will be lukewarm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I wanted to get one of those like uh, what do we call it? like the native style like blankets, the. I forgot what they're made out like a pack of blankets or whatever, mm-hmm. alpaca, uh, and uh, doing one of those uh, sleeping mats with it where you put the charcoal underneath it and then you put some dirt on it and then you put your mat down on top of it. Okay. It's a non-flammable mat mm-hmm. and you can actually be laying on top of a bed of charcoals that'll keep you warm while you sleep. Mm-hmm. I saw that like a long time ago that they used to do that when it got really cold. And I was like, that'd be a cool, but I have to have something that's not going to start on fire or melt. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to ruin my freaking wool blanket because it won't start on fire and it won't really melt. But I mean, wool blankets aren't cheap either. I know, so. I've seen, I, I've seen some people what what they'll do in cold weather situations like that, where they want to warm up the ground is they'll dig a hole in one side and kind of dig through underneath Yeah, and then have that, come out the other side and start a fire in one of those holes that way that heat transfers underneath them and heats the ground underneath them while they sleep on top of it yeah that's a uh god i forgot what they called that too i thought they called that some like a paiute fire hole or something like that i forgot they had a specific name for it i'll have to look it up later Mm -hmm. I'll probably post the thing on Instagram about what the what it's called. But I've seen those before where you built make like the little tunnel. Mm-hmm. And uh because supposedly when you're um cooking in the woods and you don't want to create a lot of smoke, that's like one of the best ways to do it. Mm-hmm. It'll keep the, the smoke to a minimum. Um so you spend a lot of time in the woods, you spend a lot of time sleeping in the woods. Do you ever have any issues with animals? Um, not really. We tend to take care of our food pretty well. Um, the Great Smoky Mountain National Park and all their campsites have designated bear hang lines. So we hang our food up at night. Anything that has a scent to it, um, everything gets hung up in a tree. In Pisgah National Forest, they don't have bear lines. Um, we carry bear canisters. So anything that has a smellable food wise gets put in a canister and we put the canisters, um, in some trees and make sure, you know, the bears can't get at those as well. Uh, so no, we don't really, you don't really have any issues with, with, um, animals at night. I haven't, um, I have heard, um, you know, if they do come up, they tend to come up in the fall season, right? When the bears are looking for food, um, right before they go to hibernate, uh, like this last season here, a couple weeks ago, we had a group that was actually camping on top of Mount Sterling out in Smoky Mountain National Park and. The guy put all the people to sleep and he went up on the fire tower and he was making a phone call. While he was making a phone call, he heard his guests. They were kind of loud and he's like, oh, it seems kind of weird. I'm going to go down, you know, check out camp, make sure everything's good. Well, he got down in the camp and one guest is like talking from his tent, like really loud. And he's like, that's kind of weird. 
Well, it just so happens there was a bear in camp. Hmm. And the bear was walking through the camp, um, and it ended up getting into our, our guide's tent, and it tore through the first aid kit and tore through the ibuprofen. Um, and then, it, you know, he, he saw the bear and scared it away. And when he went to go check camp, his tent, like I said, his tent was tore through, the first aid kit was torn through, and they were missing um, the baby pot. Took the baby pot and ran away with the baby pot because the baby pot was still down. We have a baby pot and a bigger pot for cooking. Okay. So. Small cooking pot. Small cooking pot. Yep. And that okay. was gone. <laughs> well, bears can smell all sorts of stuff. They can. They can indeed. So, I mean, it'll happen here and there. You know, I, for me, I will hear them walk around my, my campsite at night. Um, I'll hear them walk around my tent. Um, you know, I'll talk to it and be like, hey, what's up, Mr. Bear? How you doing? Just kind of talk to it, let it know that, hey, yeah, I am in this tent. Mm-hmm. And they don't really get too too curious. They hear you and they go, okay, well, some, well I'm going to leave that alone kind of a mm-hmm. thing. So, Yeah. Do bears, in your experience, do they react to flashlights? Um, You know, I've only seen a couple bears at nighttime. I mean, maybe like three bears at night. Like the three bears? nope one bear individually each time Um, (laughs) no they didn't want to sleep in my bed (laughs) okay just wondering (laughs) we said it no they uh they 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 don't react to light as much um what they really react to is me getting loud and aggressive with them loud okay Mm -hmm. I was always wondering about that, like if you were in your tent and you had like a flashlight with you, mm-hmm. and you shine the flashlight like through the side of the tent, mm-hmm. if it would make you know, like the movement or something would kind of make the bear either want to stay away or even a, or maybe attract it and mm-hmm. like maybe have advice that way where it's like, yeah, probably don't do that. But like the getting loud is mm-hmm. what you've learned is kind of a good deterrent. Let the bear know you're there. Yeah, let uh, it know you're there. Um for me, what I do whenever I come across a bear, um, I I look at the bear and be like, okay, well, how many bears are in the area? It's one bear. Okay, it's a decent sized bear. It's not a cub, so it's it's a it's a mama, or maybe it's not a mama. Maybe it's just an adult bear. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's an adult bear, I tend to be pretty aggressive with it to get rid of it. Okay. I'll yell, I will scream, I will bang my trekking pole against the trees, and I will run towards it. Okay. Show it I'm the bigger animal, and it most all the time the bears take off. Mm. Um, that's a different approach when you run into a cub or a mama. If you see a cub, if you see a mama, I let them have their space, I let them do their thing, I do not get aggressive towards them. Yeah, but if it's a solo bit black bear, hey, I'm the bigger predator here, get out of my way, kind of a thing. Okay, so uh. You were here this weekend because it was Thanksgiving to hang out, and uh, we went Black Friday shopping, mm-hmm. and we were talking about some stuff, and then today we went to go shooting for, you said it's not your first time going shooting, but you don't go recreationally shooting like I do, mm-hmm. right? And so... um how do you how did you like that how was your experience with uh going with me to the range um it was a lot of fun um i just don't 
I never really had that education behind guns. Um, so getting that education last night before going to the range this morning about the specific types of guns that you have and how they work was very beneficial. And then going to the range, I had a blast. Um, it was a lot of fun shooting. Um, I definitely would want to go again for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I just never really had the chance to get that education behind it, you know, to, to learn. Yeah. So. Yeah. I actually told your sister after we came back from lunch today and everything, I was like, you know, it's cool that you expressed interest in, uh, you know, in shooting. I mean, when we were at the, like I said, at the store at the Black Friday where I was, of course, buying things mm-hmm. and doing what I normally <laughs> do. But you had expressed interest in purchasing a firearm at some point. And uh, then that's when we started talking about maybe we should just go to the range and check it out and see how you feel about it. So um, I enjoyed it. I think you did really well. You shot really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got some either... Either you have some good natural talent or I'm a decent teacher and <laughs> we can go either way with that. Um, I've been doing it for a long time, but you're you're an athletic person and, and uh, people who have athletic tendencies are usually good at things like hand-eye coordination mm-hmm, and it all helps. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so it, it was nice. You did very well, uh, very accurate. So what do you uh, – did you uh, – let's see like did you have a preference thought process there like do you like shooting the rifle over the handgun you like them both the same i mean because we took you out you shot two different ars Mm -hmm. and then three different handguns Mm -hmm. uh the glock 44 which is a 22 Mm -hmm. the glock 19 which is a nine mil and then um a 1911 in 45 ACP. Mm-hmm. And so what do you think there as far as like, uh, which was more comfortable to shoot, which was more, um, more enjoyable to shoot something? I mean, I felt like they were all really enjoyable to shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, shooting, shooting the AR was pretty fun. Uh, the one with the red dot, you know, having that optic on it, I thought that was, um, a lot of fun um you know just i've always you've always seen you know the red dots in video games and stuff like that so seeing that um in person and being able to use that in person was was pretty fun um the uh, i don't know i think it i think it varies um because you know you got handguns and ars but the handguns were a lot of fun too um i really liked the different the difference in the kick um, from the AR to the handguns, the handguns, you know, um, going up from the Glock to the 45, um, just the way things kick back. And I thought that was, um, interesting. Cause I, I thought, you know, the bigger the gun, the bigger the kick, but that's not the case, you know, um, when it comes to, you know, talking about when I say bigger the gun, I mean like the size, yeah. like the AR and yeah. compared to a handgun, but that's not the case there. Those ARs barely kick back. Mm-hmm. um as where you know the 45 was like poof and you're like oh okay so yeah. yeah but it also has to do with like the design of how like you're holding the ar mm-hmm. against your shoulder true true it's got the recoil spring in there that mitigates a lot of that mm-hmm. felt recoil because i'm gonna like if you took the 
the bullet out of an AR and put it in a handgun and shot it, it would probably suck, mm-hmm. realistically, because it is a much larger bullet. But like you were saying, between the 1911 to the 9 mil or, you know, to the 22, which is the same size as the 9 mil, mm-hmm. but with a way different caliber. So it's going to, it has a dramatically different response. Um, but yeah, that's, it does make a difference. The, you know, caliber as opposed to size and then like mm-hmm. i always tell people the smaller the gun is the more felt recoil you'll get out of the same caliber so a nine millimeter that is a large nine millimeter that weigh might weigh four pounds is going to kick way less than a nine millimeter that only weighs eight ounces you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of difference there but uh i'm glad you enjoyed it i'm really glad you went with me and that you wanted to go um, I have a buddy of mine that I was talking to, uh, to recently. I helped him find a, a firearm because he was actually weird. What we were just talking about is bear. He was afraid of where he hunts. He's afraid of bear while he's bow hunting. Mm-hmm. And he wanted something that would be a little more substantial than a nine millimeter but he wanted more capacity than a revolver. Cause usually I would tell me if you're going to shoot a bear, get a revolver and get a big caliber and a revolver mm-hmm. because you, there's a lot of revolvers out there that buck. I mean like really hard. Like you put a 357, fine 44 Magnum. All right. 454 Casul. You're getting bigger. 500 Smith and Wesson Magnum. I wouldn't recommend even though it's the biggest freaking thing you can get. But I mean, the reality is follow-up shots probably matter on a bear. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to have the biggest freaking <laughs> hand cannon in the world. But uh, he settled on a 10 millimeter Glock, which is probably similar, if not slightly more kick than a 45. Okay. But in a Glock, so you could still have 12 rounds or whatever mm-hmm. in it, you know? And uh, that's kind of what he settled on, and I thought that was a good choice because he's looking at smaller black bear in the area. Mm-hmm. But uh, what do you think about something like that, handgun versus bear? You know, you, you know more about oh, bears gosh. than you do handguns. So. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I, I've never really thought about it. Um, like I said, Mitt, all the bears that I've come across, I've never had them be aggressive towards me. Yeah. Um, I've never been in a situation like that. Um, you know, I've had bears that don't want to leave camp, but okay. but don't get aggressive towards me. You yeah. know, they just don't acknowledge me. Um, I don't really know my opinion on that, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Do you carry bear spray? I do carry bear spray. Never had to use it. Never had to use it? Never I had to use it. I was going to ask you how so. that works. <laughs> Actually, I was like, how does that work on an actual bear? Because I've seen pepper spray mm-hmm. used on people that doesn't work sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I always question that. I'm like, I understand bears have a little more uh, sensitive smell. Well, a lot more sensitive smell and probably a little bit more sensitive s- s- vision. Mm-hmm. And aren't necessarily there out of malice or spite, like out of hate. Bears are just existing in their world. Mm-hmm. So if you spray them with something that's as annoying i would say as bear spray for them i don't see them wanting to stick around mm-hmm. even even just because the smell you know kind yeah of thing. so so the way it works when you what i've been described um because like i said i've never had to spray a bear 
Uh, but what I've heard from other people is they describe it as you spray the area and it sprays, uh, the spray is a one-time use up to 20 feet. Um, so it has distance on the bear spray. Mm -hmm. um, with that being said, if you spray it towards the bear in the bear, um, the it hits the bear. It doesn't like, you know, when, when a human gets hit by pepper spray, they're like, ah, oh, my eyes, right? That's not how it is for the bear. The bear kind of just walks around and they kind of sniff that smell because it's in the air. And they, they'll be like, oh, I don't like that. I'm mm -hmm. just going to like walk away kind oh. of a thing. That's so you, how it is. So you've never seen a bear stand up and say, oh, my eyes. <laughs> you sprayed me in my eyes. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. I can see that. I mean, I wonder how it would, like, I've seen some videos where people have been very close to bears and sprayed mm -hmm. them with bear spray, and it makes the bear react a lot quicker mm -hmm. because it's actually on their, like, skin and on, you know, and I'm fairly sure they don't like it as much as I don't like being sprayed with stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I've never, uh, I've never been in the opportunity. I've probably only seen like two bear in my life. Uh, one in Wisconsin and I think one in Northern Arizona. So I was like, yeah, I don't know anything about bear. Well, if you come out to West of North Carolina, Great Smoky Mountain National Park is the most likely animal you'll see. Really? Not like a squirrel? No, no. I see... see more bear than I do squirrel, to be honest. Well, that's a, <laughs> that would be a welcome change. I have, I got 30 squirrel living in my backyard, <laughs> but, uh, tree rats. Um, but you know, one of these days I might have to eat them. So, uh, <laughs> keep them around. Good food, protein. All right, man. So we're going to have to wrap up the show pretty soon. Is there any... What do you want to call that? Like final comments or uh, what do you want to say? Uh, final thoughts you want to leave with anybody or the people out there who might listen to this, drop some knowledge bombs, common misconceptions maybe that uh, annoy you? Um, I would say, you know, if you haven't been to the Asheville, North Carolina area. Don't or, go. Uh, <laughs> don't move there because everybody's trying to move there. Uh, but no, come by, visit it. Um, if you haven't been to Great Smoky Mountain National Park, um, it is a national park that does tend to get overlooked a lot. Take, take a visit. Um, you'll absolutely love it. All right. Any, anything else from you? No, that's pretty cool. much all I got. All right, man. Cool. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, please check out the social medias at Guns, Oil, and Dirt at literally everything. Um, TikTok, we got an Instagram, we got a YouTube channel, I got a MeWe page, I got a Facebook group. Check them all out. Comment, like, share. Um, shoot me comments. I answer all my stuff. Uh, we've been talking to a lot of people lately. Check out the people that support the show. Uh, Shooters Sports Center at ShootersOnline.com. Root River Archery at RootRiverArchery.com. Um, Remora Holsters for the very best in concealed carry holsters. It's the most comfortable holster I have. I carry it all the time. It's great for appendix carry. Check out Remora Holsters. And also Smoke and Blue Barbecue for any of your barbecue and catering needs. And the Northern Illinois and Southeastern Wisconsin area. Thanks for listening, everybody, and stay alive out there. Go camp and check out the Great Smoky Mountains, and we'll chat at you guys later.